0: Hello everybody. I have a very special guest this week. Her name is Nikki Brosnan and she is the brains behind the Instagram account at Kids Anxiety Solutions, which by the way, it's amazing. I crack up with all your reels. They're so good. Thank you. uh, Yeah, Nikki's going to tell us how she's learn through all the stages of her life to get her to where she is right now, leading parents uh, into helping their kids with anxiety. So hi, Nikki. Hey, all so good to be here. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> yes,
1: I, I can't wait to hear your life story. Oh, fantastic. Well, first I wanted to acknowledge you because you, the work you're doing is so incredible and so vitally important. Uh, I was got divorced 20 years ago and there was nothing like you and it was devastating. And I've never felt so alone and just so in pieces. So to have someone like you showing it how to divorce with love and in a holistic way is just such a gift to the world. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: So about me, I'll tell you a little bit how Kids Anxiety Solutions came to be. I was raised in a very abusive environment, so right from the get-go, it just wasn't a great place to be, and I learned to survive by becoming a people pleaser. So I dissociated heavily, I tried um, to just make everything perfect, I, you know, strived to just keep the calm in any way I could. And I was riddled with what I now know as anxiety, but back then no one talked about it, but anxiety. And I was just told that I was nervous and, oh, you're just being a perfectionist or because of my dissociation, I was called an ice queen. And so I just kept this up for my entire life. I just had this robotic nature about myself. And I moved through childhood and into adulthood, you know, very successfully. I did everything that I was told to do. I played varsity basketball because I was pretty good at it and I was really tall and I was told that's what I should do. So I did. I graduated with honors with a bachelor of education with a minor in kinesiology because my dad told me I should be a teacher because it has a good pension. And then I did all the things that you're supposed to do. I got a full-time job teaching um, uh, middle school right out of high school or right out of university. I got married. I bought the house and I did all the things I you know, learned to garden. I learned to redecorate. And I just kind of was moving through life in just this way of watching how others reacted and did things accordingly. But um, as they say, the universe will only let you play small for so long. So for me, my big wake up was 9/11. And what happened was it just kind of like shook me out of this coma, like seeing just this great devastation. and suddenly it just felt like the blinders were taken off. And I was questioning everything. And the universe started kind of just like giving me like little little hints here and there, little opportunities. And one of the best opportunities that I was given, was getting to go to the live your best life conference of oprah's way back and for me it was just this day of just possibilities and suddenly i wasn't just expected to do what i was told but she was doing things like i remember one exercise she did um write out five things you're grateful for which you know for most of us is you know common practice these days and i did that no problem and then she said great write another 10 and that was a little bit harder And then she said, write another, I think 20. And I just sat there and I froze because I couldn't think of anything. And then I started feeling like I must be this awful person. Like, how can I not think of what I'm grateful for? And I was kind of like looking over to see my friends because they were just writing furiously. And at that moment, I heard through the microphone, please keep your eyes on your own work. (laughs) And I look up and we were only 10 rows back and I lock eyes with Oprah Winfrey who was catching me, cheating off my friends to see what they're grateful for. So it just, shook, it just shook me so much. And I thought, man, like, what is going on? Because for me, like, my childhood was just this massive, like, blocks. You know, people would talk about things that happened in their childhood. And I would be like, I just have a bad memory, I guess, because I don't remember anything. But it was my body's way of coping with all of it. So we got back from the Oprah conference. And my friend gifted me with a Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And it just, it, again, just that little gift that changed my life. So I, like, I read it, like it was a Bible and I just did everything in it that I was supposed to. And I did my morning pages and she encouraged you to do the three pages of writing and just writing it out, you know, conscious stream writing where you're not thinking about it and just whatever it comes to your head. And for me, for a long time, it was, I can't think of anything to write. Like, what are you supposed to write? Like, I don't want to be doing this right now, but I committed to the process and I did it every day filled up journals and journals and what began unraveling is not only like how I truly felt but started to develop opinions about things I started to develop ideas and things I wanted to do and I started you know appreciating that I had something that I wanted to do beyond who I was presenting myself to be in the world so at the same time I just kind of was looking around and it just my life suddenly felt like it was this shirt that was three sizes too small like I didn't feel like I fit anymore. And I was struggling so much to understand. And, you know, rather than deal with it in a positive way, I self-sabotaged and I, I did a lot of you know things that weren't great, right, but I ended up leaving my marriage because it just I got to a place of I don't know how to make this work. I don't know what's wrong with me, but this isn't working. So I moved to the city, I started again, I really felt just this great shame on top of everything else. So I started stepping further onto my healing path. I explored things like yoga, meditation. I was doing a lot of acupuncture and just learning about the process of being present and being in your body. Cause I hadn't been in my body for so long. And so when I was learning about these things and learning about breath work and learning about yoga, I started taking them into the classroom because I was in an inner city school. And it was a tough crew of kids and they had this like real tough, like outer shell and they didn't really want to know you want to do anything you did. And especially this young woman teacher. Right. So I would kind of incorporate breath work, started teaching them about emotional intelligence, brought in a little bit of personal development. And what I saw is these outer shells just kind of melt away, you know, and they just kind of were softening and they were able to relate a bit more. And when they saw that I actually cared about them, Beyond, you know, if they memorize Newton's theory or the scientific method, they started doing better in school because I was connecting to them on a heart level. I was connecting to them in a way that said, I see you, you know, and I I can see what you've been through and, you know, and giving them tools to help reduce their anxiety and reduce that stress they were feeling. Now, at the same time, again, just kind of fell across my lap with something called ACEs, which is adverse childhood experiences. And what this is, is it's a a study that was done by Kaiser Permanente and the CDC, I think about 20 years ago now. And it looks at things that happen in childhood and how it affects you in adult life beyond depression and adult anxiety. So things like heart disease, um, asthma, um, autoimmune disorders, all these things that are affecting you in your adult life. There's a bridge from what happened to you in childhood, and the more adverse experiences you had as a child, the more likely you are to have these experiences or these illnesses as an adult. So things like physical or emotional or sexual abuse, physical or emotional neglect, being raised in a household, um, if a parent has a mental illness, substance abuse, if one or more of your parents have been incarcerated, domestic violence, natural disasters, or things like uh, world events, like pandemics, for instance. So I started just making all these correlations. And what I realized is that all these aches and pains I was experiencing in my early twenties were actually attributed to my body holding on to all this stress and anxiety. So I just continued on my healing path. And then at the same time, I met the love of my life who happened to come in and we had a whirlwind romance. We um, fell madly in love, got married, And immediately had a child. (laughs) And once my son was born, I wanted to leave the, um, the education system because I really wanted to give him as much attention and love as I could. But I also was moving away from the structure of what the school system was. And then that's where I began my life and health coaching journey. And I really loved that. And it really correlated with what I was going through because I was helping a lot of young Moms and women heal generational trauma that they had experienced and was, you know, really wanting to desperately move away from that and break those curses and raise their families in a different way. And it was really powerful work. And I love that too. But then another world event happened. And so then that's when the pandemic hit. And I had a really successful coaching practice and I loved coaching the moms. But then I started looking around as we're all scrambling, the world is scrambling, everything's changing. And I kept thinking, like, what about the kids? You know, what's happening to the kids? And we're all struggling to teach from home, um, work from home, teach our kids online, figure out people who've lost jobs and, like, everything. We all know the chaos we experienced. But the kids were somehow kind of lost in the mix because we're trying to find our new footing and deal with things that we've never experienced. And the kids kind of just kind of got lost in a shuffle, or so it seemed. And so I'd look around and, you know, the kids are missing their milestones, like their graduations, their birthday parties, their sporting events. And I know in our own family, my daughter, who was three at the start of the pandemic, she loved the parks and parks were her life. Like she like thrived there. And if she just wanted to sit on a swing and all day, she'd be so happy. And I remember one day we drove past her, her favorite park and they were taping it off with the yellow tape. And I looked in the back seat and I saw her and there's a single tear running down her face as she was watching the men take her swings down. And I just thought, what are we doing to our kids? And so that's really where I wanted to take it back from. So coming back to ACEs, I just kept thinking, if this is affecting us in our adult life, what can we do now to stop their hurt or to heal their hurt so that it isn't something that when they wake up in they're 40 and they have arthritis and they're not sure why, And I can attribute it back to an event that happened when they were five, rather than when they're five, giving them tools and support so that they can heal those things and be empowered to move through their life when they have anxiety, because we all have anxiety, but move through their life and heal that so that they can, you know, approach adulthood in a positive way, rather than in a way where they're just trying to heal everything.
0: Mm, Which is so interesting because I feel like, this generation where we are right now we have been gifted with the knowledge that our parents didn't have about trauma and like we said adverse childhood experiences for a lot of parents that wasn't adverse that was just life okay and that was parenting that's uh you know i come from a household where when i went through the list i was like oh my god this this was actually traumatic, but Again, in our <laughs> perspective, that was just society and that's that's how it was handled. So now we have this gift of perspective and of knowledge. So now it's our responsibility to, that's how we break the generational um, patterns by saying, okay, now that we're aware, we cannot do yes. this. And I love that you spotted that. And especially, I mean, I keep saying the last two years have been brutal on everybody. But the kids we don't even know like it's no. going to come like we as adults are able to express better where we've been struggling and maybe we even listen to each other more but the kids what have you been hearing from the the parents that you work with and the kids that mm-hmm. are able to express how traumatic this this experience has been
1: well i mean that's a really good question and
0: so at the start of the pandemic, six months in, they
1: declared children's mental health a national emergency. And I, that was six months in. And there was just a recent um, news report just two days ago. So that was February 28th, 2022, just saying that because like our children's mental health is now a full-on crisis, like a full-on crisis, one in four kids experiences anxiety Girls between the age of 12 and 17, their suicide attempt rate has gone up like 50%. It's just, it's, it's terrifying. And so we're seeing this across the board. We're seeing kids who are afraid to go outside because they've been told it's dangerous. They're afraid to go in stores. They're afraid of germs. They're afraid to um, touch their relatives. They're afraid of all these, like just normal human contact things. Like we have kids who have spent the majority of their life in a pandemic. So they're coming out of it and they don't know how to interact with the world. The CDC has just changed all the milestones for kids because uh, children's um, speech impediments have increased something like, I'm not sure, but just like astronomically because they're wearing masks. Kids look to adults to read emotions and when their faces are covered, they can't read the emotions. So their emotional intelligence is down. The speech impediments are up. And overall, I mean, our kids aren't able to process with the amount of stress that's just bombarded on them all the time. And now even with this, uh, the new crisis over in Ukraine, our kids are just seeing the news and they're see- hearing about bombs and nuclear weapons and they don't have the capacity or you know, their brains are literally not developed enough to discern what's real and what's not. So we just we need to do all the things we can to support them in every way we can.
0: Yeah. And, and something that I've noticed, and especially in my personal experience, was going from I was so strict about screens. It was like, yeah, you get one hour of screen time and you have to give me the rest of the day of you're an angel, pretty much. you know? <laughs> And when the pandemic hit. And to me, it was so hard because I work from home and I have my coaching calls and everything. So it's like you do whatever you need to do. OK, if you need to get on a video game, you do that. And that kind of like, I thought, oh, it'll be one month. It'll be two months. It'll be three months. And now it's two years later. That's a habit that every kid mm-hmm. wants. I let my daughter go on TikTok. Same thing, just to get entertained. And now life is TikTok. And now you can't even take that away. Again, trying to set boundaries once you've given them is like impossible. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing how our kids have almost disconnected from the real world? And now their preference is on the screens, which it's not how we learn to socialize.
1: No, it's true. And it's not not real life, right? And that's another thing is we're seeing massive increases in, in, in kids engaging in social media. We're seeing massive increases in online bullying because that's how they're associating. We're seeing girls with huge body image issues because of all the filters. I mean, it's just this this spiraling effect, right? Because we all did it, right? Because it's like, okay, like you said it's only a week. Sure, take the screen. Just, I need to get this done because I'm trying to figure out how to do Zoom calls and deal with all these things I'm doing at the same time. So it's just like, make our, all our lives easy. serious, serious. Um, long-term effects that we have to look at. And so as far as the screens, we need to get back to a detox. And so in our house, because we all did it too, we've gone to, and I also homeschool. So I'm homeschooling, I'm coaching, I'm doing all the things you gotta do. So in our house, I make sure that I get all my social media stuff done prior to the time the kids get up. Then we have breakfast, the screens are all down. There's no screens allowed until after school work's done. We work together as a family. We do all our schoolwork. We get outside, get some fresh air and exercise. And then it's screen time. And, you know, it's still longer than I hope it would, but there has to be a happy medium somewhere. And it is a necessary evil. And I think it's important that they learn how to do it properly. But at the same time, make sure you're having conversations with your kids about how to use social media properly. You know, if your kids are on TikTok, go through with them and say, look at this filter. How ridiculous is this? This is not what a real woman looks like. This is fake, right? And making sure they really can discern the fact from this is reality and this is fake, because otherwise they're going to be just bombarded with these images and this. Um, unrealistic
0: view of how they're supposed to look which i think it's another reason why they now prefer being behind the screen because you know being in real life there is no filters there is and and you have to engage in a different way that when the with the way that they communicate with their snapchats and their texts mm-hmm. it's also simplistic it doesn't really like connect at a deeper level so i completely agree and now I admit I'm way more relaxed than I used to be, but now I use it as a way for them to learn to discipline themselves. Now it's more like, a, okay, you get your time, you also get to be a human. So as long as you can find that balance, we're good. But but yeah, if, if we gave our children free reign right now, I think that mm. it would just be in the It'd social- It would be system. crazy. <laughs> so what are the ways- be crazy. Yeah.
1: And and so. Sorry,
0: I think that we got um, broken up. What are the ways we as parents can help our children? So, first and foremost,
1: I always say make sure the open dialogue is there. Make sure that they know that you are a safe place to come and talk to. So, allow them to know that if something's arise for them or if they're not feeling quite right, that they can come to you and that you're going to judge them or criticize them or say, well, that's ridiculous because we have to remember that their brains aren't thinking the way they are, especially if they're in a um, a cycle of anxiety. You know, none of us think rationally when we're in anxiety. And if your child's experiencing that, they, they might come to you with something that sounds absolutely crazy to you, but you have to remember that whatever they're experiencing in their mind is real. So if you can come and say, I understand how you're feeling and how can I help you with this? Always offer that. Like, do you want some help? Do you want some support? Or do you just want me to listen to you so that's the first thing the second thing is just to make sure that you're checking in like looking for the signs like are they suddenly not wanting to go outside where they used to love are they not wanting to go to school are they suddenly afraid to go to school are they hating a sport that they used to love or a game they used to love or are suddenly is their sleep disrupted are they suddenly having nightmares for the first time so, just looking at all the ways that, like these little signals, and we have to really be an investigator. We have to be watching our children for any signs. And again, it's really easy to get caught up in normal life, and uh, and just, sorry, just, it's really easy to get caught up in normal life. But at the same time, we need to be always looking and just observing and seeing how our kids are doing. The next thing you can do is just to make sure that your child knows certain tools. Some of my favorite tools are just easy breath work. So just a really easy one to start with, especially if you're younger, is just beach ball breath. So getting them to lay on their back, hands on your bellies and just breathe in and fill up your belly as much as you can and exhale. So just getting them to do that full body breath. And it's a great thing to do before bed. I like to call it habit habit stacking. So you're just taking something you already do. So maybe with nighttime stories, going to do the breath work so they're doing the breath work and then they're doing stories so it's always it's tied in together and so it becomes part of what they do because as a basketball player i learned that you know we had to shoot 100 free throws a day so every day we were shooting 100 free throws because it had to become a habit the same thing you want is with these anxiety tools is they're not effective as if your child's in an anxiety a moment of anxiety and you say, do some breathing because they're not used to it. But if they've done it every day at bedtime and you say, I can see you're feeling anxious, let's do some breath work. And then they, their brain goes, oh, right. And then they tie it in, they breathe deeply and they slowly slow down their nervous system. Another great thing to do is just to, um, you know, do a little little game so we do breath work chasing our hands so we breathe in going up to our little finger breathe out going down breathe in going up top of our ring finger breathe out going all the way down and do that the whole way along the palm of their hand to just keep that breath work going and to slow down their breath and another one of my favorites is affirmations so the younger you can start with these the better i started with my daughter when she was about two years old and we would just say, "I am brave. I am strong. I am powerful." And so she'd be at the top of the slide. She'd say, "Mommy, I'm scared." I'm say, "What?" I'm like, "What? Tell me who you are." And she would shout, "I am brave. I am strong. I am powerful." So it becomes a habit. Again, it becomes part of who they are. So when they do things like show up for their swimming and they're feeling nervous, you say, "Wait a second. Tell me who you are." And they say, "Oh yeah, I am brave. I am powerful. I am strong." So these put, these become part of who they are. They become their unconscious becomes part of their conscious brain.
0: Mm, I love it. I I do have a bit of of an issue with affirmations. I think that some people can take to them and others don't. So you have to see what kind of client you're dealing with. But um, I was watching something last night and I thought this is a brilliant example of how to use affirmations. And it's kind of like what you just said. I don't know if you've uh, watched the Netflix uh, movie called Inventing Anna. And it's about the... The German heiress that wasn't rich and scam a whole mm-hmm. bunch of people. Anyway, there was the their physical trainer while they were during training. She kept reminding them, "You're a bad bee and you're a bad <laughs> You're doing this, you're doing this," and that made them feel really strong because they finished their workout. So that mm-hmm. was kind of getting into their system in almost a, a somatic kind of way. And then of mm-hmm. the clients was encountering a real life situation where she was feeling. Like she had no power, she couldn't set up a pantry. And then the trainer was like, remind me, who are you? Are you uh-huh. a happy? And then she was like, I am, I am. And then she started bringing that power that she had felt before. So that to me, when you're dealing with affirmations, I think it's so important that you create uh-huh. that Somatic experience so then when you really need to use them like yeah now I'm scared okay but remember you are brave then they can yes. use them
1: so. that's so yeah. good
0: I haven't seen that movie yet it sounds great it's so true it's- and, and,
1: and sorry and you hit on it is that not everything works for everybody so I call it the anxiety toolbox and you have to like we're not all the same so something that works for me may not work for you but what you wanna do is provide them with a variety of tools and see what resonates with them. So some kids, you know, some adults really love like the superhero pose. So I have friends who before they get on a Zoom call, they'll strike a Wonder Woman pose and they'll just you know, like sitting up tall or standing up tall, chest out, hands on your hips. And just that, even that pose just generates that power. The same as um, what they said in the movie. But the main thing is just trying out all these different things. And it's, I always say the brain science is really complicated around anxiety and trying to figure out what's actually happening. But the skills and the tools behind how
0: we can assist and help it are very simple, but we have to do the work. Yes. And we have to learn them. I feel that children whose parents, either the mom or the dad, or ideally both are coaches, they have been given a golden ticket because we've learned all those tools. So now you can pass it to our children. It's like, okay, we know how to do this, but otherwise we just don't know. Nobody teaches us how to handle our big emotions and how to do breath work. And, you know, we, like we said at the very beginning, now we have the almost like the luxury of being able to lean into those situations and those techniques and those tools. But our parents didn't even have that. So it's it's almost our responsibility to pass that on to our children. And I love that you're doing that and that you're showing the world. So thank you so much for your work, Nikki. And we're getting to the mm. end of our call. So I always like to ask all my guests the two questions. The first one is, where do you see your next great chapter?
1: Mm, that's such a great question. My next great, great chapter, I think I- for me, I've never been so passionate or so driven just to spread the word about kids' anxiety. So I want this to become a worldwide movement. I want it to be, you know, in everyone's home. I want it to be accessible in every school because I just think if we can get this in, I mean, what more important work is there to do than to teach kids about emotional intelligence and increase their mental health and and, uh, mental well-being? Because that's where they'll succeed. I mean, it doesn't matter if they got a straight A's all through, you know, primary math. What they need is the skills that will take them through life that they can use all the way through that will assist with their anxiety and will help them regulate their nervous system.
0: Mm. We have been given so much emphasis to the intellectual and academic achievements and training, and very little or non-existent to the emotional ones. So I totally support your mission, please.
1: Mm.
0: I feel like <laughs> the you. world knows about this. Thank and you. then where do you see the world's next great chapter? Oh mm. it's that's a heavy
1: question right now. Uh, you know, and we've touched on it a few times, and, and you said it, and so. It's really about like, when you know better, you need to do better. And so I think with what's going on in the world right now, it's again, our responsibility to look to each other, like how can we support each other? And while you know, we may feel quite helpless with what's going on on the other side of the world, it's about what can we do closer to home? So how can we nurture our relationships with our children? How can we nurture relationships in our family? How can we support each other in our community and that sort of thing? So I think if we all focused on that a little bit more and took our heads out of the world events and the the spins and whatever else is going on, and just focused on what we can do and how we can support the things that are close to home and the people we love the most, I think that would change the world.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Fantastic advice. Let's all do it. Let's all. To spread the love starting in our own households and yeah, let's support our children. They are our future. And uh, they, they will thank us. They will look back. And instead of having adverse childhood experiences, they will all have extremely wonderful coaching experiences with their parents. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, Nikki, thank you so much. Where can everybody find you and what's the best way to connect with you and keep on getting this amazing advice and even your coaching.
1: Mm, thank you so much. So the best way to find me is just kids anxiety solutions, all one word at Instagram or on TikTok or on Pinterest. You can message me through there, or you can find me at my website, which is nikkibrosnan.com, N I K I B R O S N A N.com. So I'm always available for one-on-one coaching. I have some workshops coming up in the spring and I have a full course coming out in the fall to help um, caregivers, parents, teachers, everybody learn to ways to support anxiety, to understand it better and just help our kids in every way we can. Mm,
0: brilliant. And, and we will probably learn all the techniques that we can apply in our own life because we're also pretty anxious creatures when we grow up. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it all resonates. And you know what? And I, I'm a big proponent of gentle
1: parenting and gentle parenting requires us to do a lot of reparenting of ourselves. So all of the skills, all of the tools apply to all of us. And the breath work, you know, I can't emphasize enough. that It helps me as much as it helps my kids throughout the day.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. And I'll put all your details on the notes so everybody can find you. And to everybody else, thank you so much. And I will see you all next week. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you. Hey, if you're passionate about helping others move to the next chapter and want to join one of the fastest growing industries, I would like to invite you to my upcoming training to become a certified holistic divorce coach. Just head over to olganadal.com and click on the Holistic Divorce Institute tab. I can't wait to meet you inside the program.